Welcome to Edwards Beyond the Test. It's a podcast that goes behind the scenes of the flight test mission at Edwards Air Force Base. I'm Don Waldman from the 412th Test Wing Public Affairs. What comes to mind when you think of augmented and virtual reality? Well, perhaps it invokes visions of video games or immersive video. Well, for one Team Edwards member, the employment of both augmented and virtual reality is translating to saving time and money by bringing the complexities of jet engine maintenance training to the workforce without having to actually pull a real engine out of use. It is my pleasure to introduce Tech Sergeant Jeremy Nielsen. Tech Sergeant Nielsen, I am so excited to have you here today on the podcast to learn more about the innovative projects you've been working on. But before we talk about that, can you tell us a little bit about your job? Of course. So I'm a training manager assigned to the 412th AMXX squadron, and I'm also working for the Joint Strike Fighter, a matrix out there. And that specifically is working on developmental tasks for the F-35. And my job is to make sure that all the different various maintainer sub-skill sets are qualified to do their job effectively with the test mission. Okay. Now, augmented and virtual reality, that program uses a model of a ver- of an F-35 engine to aid in the training with all of that. You developed that. Tell us about it. Yes. So, essentially, the engine, of course, is a very important component of the aircraft or it, any yeah, aircraft. It matters. <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes it go. Mm-hmm. And the maintainers don't have enough proficiency to get the exposure they need to effectively do their jobs and the procedures related to the engine. So instead of trying to take down an actual asset and tie it up for training purposes and then possibly break it, which costs millions and millions of dollars, we created an augmented reality solution so the maintainers could get as close as possible to the exposure of that asset without actually tying up the actual jet. Okay. Now, we'll back up just a little. For those who may not know, what is briefly augmented and virtual reality? Of course. So... If you think of virtual reality, I want you to think of a full immersive environment. You put on a headset and it takes you away from where you are based upon feedback to your brain through your eyes and sensory perceptions. It's actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Augmented reality is more of an overlay, kind of like when I, when I talk about an example, I think of Iron Man. So when you see the suit and he sees the real world around him, but right. there's data nodes and targeting and focal and AI, the little robot that talks to him. Augmented reality is more of an overlay. So that's what we built the engine off of was an overlay model in the real world. So when I came to your office, to your lab, and visited you, and you put the goggles on, and all of a sudden an empty room, there was a jet engine. That's augmented. Absolutely. That is so cool. And it was very cool. So this product that you've created, it was an idea that you had in 2018. You pitched it to the Test Wings Excite Innovation Team. Well, this resulted in you being recognized as the 412th Test Wing Innovator of the Quarter, as well as receiving funding for the project. So that is awesome. What happened next? So what happened next was I learned a lot of things that I didn't know beforehand because, of course, I didn't know what I was getting into. That being said, it was very exciting to um, initiate a project, to work with various vendors, to understand the technology on an in-depth level, and to also appreciate the skill sets that you need to be able to develop inside of that environment to execute towards training. We talked before, and you told me as a youngster you didn't really play video games. You weren't about that. No, not at all. That's the whole irony of the situation. And I, even to this day, even after working with virtual reality for training, I still don't really play it for video game purposes. I just think it's a fascinating tool and it's very impressive and exciting that society has pushed us to this level for something as 
unnecessary as entertainment, but we can use it for an objective purpose. Well, can you stop and think for a moment? What led you to have that thought in your head? Oh, I should go augmented or virtual reality for this solution. Just being able to get feedback from the maintainers as mm -hmm. we're trying to understand why they don't do certain training tasks, like trying to keep them on track, you start to realize they're training deficits and their issues when it comes to physical resources or coordinating with operational flights. And the ability to do a task that's repeated because, you know, it's they're very expensive assets, mm -hmm. they're very dangerous, and they have to create an entire environment to make sure that they're doing it effectively and safely. So if we can virtualize and augment that process, I think we can marry the best of both worlds so that they can get the training they need without cutting corners, and then we can also make sure that their operational environment is not encroached upon. Okay. Again, I'm going to repeat that your real job is you're a training manager for instructional systems and designs. You do all of this augmented and virtual reality stuff as a volunteer. That is correct. <laughs> of course, I, I don't do it by myself. I have right. a, a very committed team that I'm very privileged to have the part to share this adventure with them. And I try to tell them as much as possible how much I appreciate that, what they're sacrificing to be part of this, and that I will make it valuable in the long term so that their time wasn't wasted. It's very exciting what you have all created. You know, by training in augmented and virtual reality, what skill sets are the maintainers learning from this? So that's probably for me personally the most exciting part is the ability to enhance talent management on the base with people that are specialized in Air Force related skills such as maintenance, but then also being able to co-mingle those skills with things in the developer community such as programming or 3D model or environmental physics, things of that nature. And then when they can communicate from both sides, you just see this amazing fusion of their ability to execute on product deliver, d development and delivering something that's genuinely valuable from both sides. So when they're, they're using the augmented uh, reality or virtual, I think they do the F-35 mostly in augmented. Is that correct? Or, or both? So they do do it for both, and it kind of depends on who you're talking to when it comes to training and using these new technologies. And in relative terms, this technology is approximately 10 years old, so it's it's kind of been around for a little while, but when it comes to acquisition world and actually in, mm -hmm. in industrializing it, I would say it hasn't been around that long. So we're still kind of trying to figure out where the best fits for augmented and virtual and mixed reality, all the different mediums. So to answer your question, there's a gambit of uses for all these different things, and we're just trying to figure out which one makes the most sense for what situation. So Tech Sergeant Nielsen, how does it compare to the actual hands-on with a jet engine? So I learned very quickly from the maintainers, nothing will ever replace hands-on. Okay. And we had to learn how to communicate that effectively because, of course, my primary goal isn't to sell the technology. It's to optimize the training environment for the maintainers and make it as optimal as possible for them to succeed in their jobs. So nothing will ever replace hands-on, but hands-on is based upon the physical limitations of operations, resources, environmental concerns, safety issues. So it kind of gives us an opportunity to sanitize all those different things, but still give them as close as possible to a realistic learning environment based upon the way the human brain functions, which is visually. I remember when I came to your lab, you, you were demonstrating to me that there is a sensor that is very fragile and very expensive to replace. And in the real world, when they train to do it, sometimes it gets broken and, and they, they don't get the advantage of completing that training because they've, they've lost that part. You were able to solve that problem for them. Yes, it was actually a, a, our initial project and a great 
satis- satisfactory result for us. We asked Hill, who is the focal point for F-35 maintenance training in Air Combat Command and AETC, we asked them, like, what is your pain point? What is your biggest problem when it comes to F-35 maintenance with the engine? And they said that sensor was their problem. Let's say it cost about approximately $25,000 to... Wow just use and when they install that part which has to go three levels into the interior of the aircraft that is obscured by the actual other layers of the combustion chamber for the maintainers they don't actually get to see it so we're trying to give them the opportunity to use augmented reality which was our first prototype to install that sensor as close to realistic as possible and then we gave that feedback to hill who seemed to accept it as a future investigation as a validation course as a supplement to actually doing that hands-on or as an additive to doing the hands-on to guide it so that there may be a less likely chance of breakage. Well, that's exciting to hear. It's got a future. Absolutely. Definitely. And, and when they start adding big data and AI to those things, assuming you could get that technology connected to a headset, there's vast implications of how we can do data analysis to optimize not only the maintainer's training environment, but also identifying which areas of the engine or the part itself and the way that the maintainers do their operations need to be looked into for test in the Mm -hmm. future. So when you think about this, you know, using augmented or virtual reality, do you feel that there's cost, travel, and time savings involved? If we can secure it, I would say that's probably one of the biggest benefits of trying to pursue this technology is the ability to scale it and create a network and then do it remotely. Mm -hmm. So the way the current maintenance environment, and I'm generalizing, but the way their current field training attachment courses work is, let's say they're approximately a month and a half. The first month or three weeks of those TDYs that they go on will at another location where they have to fly and get temporary lodging and stay there and be away from their work center. So there's all those costs. They do academics, which is essentially slideshows. Okay. And they sit there and they kind of just learn about knowledge and comprehension. So. I see the value in understanding those components before doing hands-on, but it seems like a lot of time and a lot of money to be spending just to be sitting when, as a maintainer, you learn by doing the procedure with your hands. Mm -hmm. So by incorporating this new technology, hopefully we can find a happy medium of combining knowledge and comprehension and virtual or augmented application remotely from their home station, and then they just fly out to the location to get their certification with the hands-on to say they did it effectively, and we can save all those expenses. That would be amazing when it comes true. I'm going to be hopeful. It will come true. That's really <laughs> cool. That's that's a great way to look at how to do it. You know, um, what what do you think, though? Let's look at the coin the other way. What do you th- think they lose by training this way? So we're monitoring other parties that are executing on virtual and augmented reality to see what is lost because, of course, no technology or solution is perfect. So when we see the studies from other entities ongoing right now, the biggest thing that we have to be aware of is when they train in virtual in the way that we're trying to, which is through procedural, like standing up and doing the operation, there's not actual mechanical physics. So, for example, if they try to pull a sensor off of an aircraft, they when they go do it in the real world, they don't factor in like, hey, this thing actually weighs more than nothing. Okay. And they struggle a little bit by making that recognition. So we are trying to come up with all kinds of ways to either tailor the training so that is a non-issue, as in like the environment's already placed where those those things don't come into play or we're investigating some interesting solutions when it comes to how do we infuse or synthesize 
those environmental constraints of their body in relation to the real world while teaching in virtual. And the weight of the, the machines and the parts. Correct. We we have a, a rubber band suit for exercising that we're looking into when they reach for things and pick up things or squat down. Are you really? Yes. It's, it's not a full solution, but it's definitely an idea that we looked into. Working in the field of a training manager for instructional systems and designs was not always the career path for Tech Sergeant Jeremy Nielsen. In a moment, we'll talk about that and learn about how being injured overseas changed his life. Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. We're talking with Tech Sergeant Jeremy Nielsen, a training manager for instructional systems and designs with the 412th Aircraft Maintenance Squadron, working with the F-35 Integrated Test Force. Well, Tech Sergeant Nielsen, the job you now hold is one that you cross-trained into. You were not always in this career field, so can you tell us about that? Of course. So I joined in 2010, and I was a security forces member okay. when, I, when I joined from Pueblo, Colorado. I stayed in that job till 2016. Within that time frame, I was deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. In Afghanistan, we dealt with some riots and very austere in, in, environments for at least my initial interaction when it comes to deployment environments. And from those interactions, I believe that I inherently started to appreciate the importance of having compensatory measures in place and having that as an inherent response, not having to think about it while you're dealing with an emotional payload that you have to consume and experience and digest. If you can learn how to understand your rules and follow them procedurally, then you can be optimally effective, not only for yourself, but for the operational team that you're a part of and also for the success of the mission overall. So you kind of got, got the bug for doing training there and, and sharing that with your team. I would say so based upon reflection from an unconscious level of beginning to appreciate that it's not just about following rules and following instructions and tactical procedures. Those are all relevant, mm -hmm. but that potentially being able to make it an innate value for other people. You can all share in that experience to learn together and then adapt and improve, kind of like what we do at TEST, where you can continuously evolve and be better, and you can do it in a way that benefits everyone. Well, while you were over in Afghanistan, you became injured, and it forced you to have to come back, and you had to make the decision to cross-train. That is correct. Well, while we were in Afghanistan, I... Um, I messed up my back. I have three slip discs in my spine. One of them's crushed. I'm waiting to hear if I'm going to get surgery on that. But um, it's it's still a privilege while dealing with that circumstance to be part of an environment where we can continuously progress and try to be part of something that has vast significance, such as national security, that has a global impact, but to also feel like you're contributing to people that genuinely value what they do and they want to be good at what they do. So thankful that you are here. Speaking of cross-training, um, you had that opportunity. If someone wants to also cross-train, is who do they go see to get that started real quick? So ironically, it would be my new job as a training okay. manager. <laughs> so they could come talk to training managers when it comes to cross-training. They could also go see the base career advisor, who's usually around the base training office. But everyone in training kind of deals with how do you build your education, how do you build your skills and tactics and techniques in your job, and then how do you enrich your life, as in, if you need to, cross-train into another position. When we return, we'll talk more about your development of jet engine maintenance-related training using augmented and virtual reality. 
Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. We're talking with Tech Sergeant Jeremy Nielsen, a training manager for instructional systems and design with the 412th Aircraft Maintenance Squadron, working with the F-35 Integrated Test Force. Well, Tech Sergeant Nielsen, you've developed your prototypes, which really are so impressive. The results of your work, it's gaining attention that spans beyond the gates of Edwards. You must be thrilled. I am, but I'm also equally, if not more so, thrilled about the opportunity to share it with the people on the base and to also get feedback on the amazing things that I didn't even think of. And I'm able to share that with them. Like, I'm so glad that you brought that up because it wasn't even on my radar. Now, you said earlier people at Hill Air Force Base are looking at this. Who else? Where, where is this getting the attention from? So it, we've got attention from a lot of locations. There's um, AMC leadership came down to see what we were working with. We, in addition to ACC, Hill Air Force Base, we've had uh, multiple teams from AETC come down. The team at Nellis came down, actually, to okay. see about our equipment, and we're trying to marry and get the same thing so that we can do future testing together. Oh, how cool. Absolutely. And then we have had the Navy actually oh, come really? down from Point Magoo, and they're talking about what we're doing when it comes to their call as a startup lab, but what we do as a startup lab and how we get that going. That's neat. Well, where do you see it going from here? Hopefully our next project, um, we we have a CIBR, a small business investment research collaboration that's going on with um, a vendor in Wisconsin. We're hoping to see that pan out. It's an exciting new project where we're using computer backpacks and hand trekking with VR, so we're not using the controllers anymore to try to more immersively create in a virtual reality environment for maintenance training where they can actually get up and walk around. It's very exciting. I think you gave me a little taste of that while I was there. Yes. That was exciting. Absolutely. And just to see the feedback from the maintainers, they're like, this is exactly what we want. And that's exactly what we're looking for is feedback from the boots on the ground to tell us what we need and what we're doing right and wrong. But from that, hopefully that's as successful as we pan it out to be. We're also looking into trying to investigate beyond just maintenance and the other AFSCs that are on the base. And hopefully as the whole project develops even further optimistically, then we're able to look into additional things, such as we have a large populations of engineers on this space. Mm-hmm. Why don't we try to look into data analysis with AI, possibly using VR or AR for operational purposes to optimize that relationship, not only with the maintainers and the pilots to fix the aircraft, but the maintainers with the engineers who build these weapon systems. You know, in addition to the augmented and virtual reality, there's another phrase I've recently heard, which is XR or extended reality. Is that something you're looking into? It is, and it's uh, very ambitious, and it's exciting to see where industry is trying to go with this capability. So if you thought of virtual and augmented reality, where augmented reality is Iron Man and virtual reality is full immersive, if you start to couple in other immersive tech or emerging technologies, such as AI, machine learning, or machine vision with um, these automated cars that are driving, the example I would give is if you're you're not driving to work, but your car is driving you to work and you need some form of entertainment, using extended reality, you could either have full immersive technology inside of the vehicle where you have a VR environment inside of it, or you could have an augmented overlay on the windows of your car that allow you to create either videos or text or maybe even an immersive interactive environment where there are aliens outside of the car (laughs) through your windowsill that you could play games and things like that. Wow. Or maybe even work. 
Absolutely, and that's where as industry works more towards entertainment, because I think that's where you get your initial investments is from the entertainment industries. I think from there, we can also look into the implications of how would we use that for space? How do we use that for pilots? If we could make this mobile, and of course, all things seem to become mobile over time now, but as we make them scalable and we can create connected networks, how could we use that to communicate more effectively? Well, back here at Edwards, something that you really enjoy is hosting youth from the area schools in the lab that you have. You give them an opportunity to see all of this for themselves. That must be so much fun. It is the highlight of my day whenever we get the chance to do it. And we partner with um, our associate organization on base, Starbase, okay. who is a regional STEM outreach program that works for the DOD, who reaches out to the regional areas around whatever base they're assigned to, and they bring classes in to talk about STEM. They do classes related to science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, and they've given us the opportunity to use the lab to show the kids an example, not just using knowledge and information, but to also show them that end state goal of you could do this for work one day. You just have to pay attention and learn the things about that will make you smarter than me, for sure, at least. <laughs> so when these when these youngsters come in and they see this big empty room, which is not impressive, and you put the goggles on them. Yes, it, it's amazing to watch their, their faces light up and just the, the ooh and the awe of the situation where I actually have a little joke with them where when they see the empty room and I'm like, I bet you I can fit a full-size aircraft engine through this door. And like, no, you can't. I'm like, well, we'll see. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> Well, before I let you go, I have to say the passion you have for your work and the desire to help others is not only awesome, but infectious. Tell us, what does it mean to you to be here at Edwards while we work for the warfighters at the center of the aerospace testing universe? So to me, I think it's been a realization about the importance of test and validation when it comes to the combat air force and how we are pivotal in that ability to re maintain not only air dominance, but combat effectiveness and superiority when it comes to how we operate and how we give feedback to our own enterprise. And then personally, I think being part of TEST has given me an additional great opportunity to kind of see where the, the potential within my scope of capabilities are and to pursue that with, I mean, with, with conflict, of course, but with the opportunity to also vector check, how do I get to where I need to be that in a way that benefits more than just my own personal interests. And then when you find a solution that benefits more than just yourself, it gives you an innate value to be able to impact a group of people. And I don't think I would have had that if I didn't get assigned here. Many thanks to today's guest, Tech Sergeant Jeremy Nielsen, for taking time out to share his story and taking us beyond the test. We invite our listeners to submit their suggestions for future episodes by sending us an email at beyondtest at 412TW.us. Thanks to all for joining us. I'm Dawn Waldman for Edwards Beyond the Test.